topic tonight, addiction and recovery. I just want to, um, just really want to pray. I, I know that perhaps people in here um, may not necessarily be having struggles with addiction or um, may not be a problem now, but you may think of some people that um, this sermon really helps. So it is being recorded and I do pray. It's fantastic in this, um, this modern age that who knows who could hear this. You know, I really do pray that, that, that the person who needs to hear it, people who need to hear it, get to hear it. So I just want to pray before we start. As Melissa said, Lord, so perfectly, you know, we just um, wish that our only addiction was you, that, that Lord, you are a great addiction, you are a great, um, you know, you are someone worthy of giving our heart, our lives, our mind, our, our energies too, because you are a good God. And yet, Lord, we think about all around us now, um, those that are caught in, in the grip of crippling addiction, Lord, of things that are just robbing them of life, that are robbing them of joy, that are, that are not just harming them, but harming those around them, their families, their community, Lord, they're just, um, they're just in, in absolute bondage to so many things, Lord God. But I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, your promise is that you have come and you have come to give life and life in all abundance. And I do pray, Lord, for those that just um, are struggling so much that, that you would um, lead them to this, this talk, Lord God, that this would be a way in which they could be set free, they could be shown a narrow pathway leading them away from destruction, Lord God. I just pray that your power, your grace would flow right now. Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The 678 principle. I always, when I first read this verse, I thought it's a, the 678 principle. I like this. This is the, um, this is the amplified version of the 678 principle. Galatians 678. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. That is, he will not allow himself to be ridiculed nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows, this and this only is what he will reap. For the one who sows to his flesh, that is his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses, will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I, I, I know many of you know that I'm, I've been in recovery myself for probably longer, I was thinking about this before I got up to speak, probably longer than half of you have been alive. So for 27 years I've been in the most wonderful recovery from, from multiple addictions. But I've seen a thousand times, thousands, probably an understatement, I've seen countless, this is almost like woven into the fabric of our world, this, this sort of principle that what you do, will, you'll reap what you sow. It's, it's quite often mistaken for karma. That is, you know, that somehow what you do will come back on you, but karma mistakes it for you know, the next life. I want to say in this life, you'll reap what you sow. That what you do will either, you know, you'll benefit or you will see destruction. And destruction long before you actually die you can see life just falling apart all around you. 
the good news is I remember a friend of mine and she said it in a way that wasn't particularly positive, but I, I, I latched on and I thought this is such a truth. She said, talking about someone who obviously wasn't healed very much, she said, you can only ever heal as much as you've been healed yourself, mainly meaning that that person had been healed very much, so couldn't heal, couldn't help others. But I held on to that and I thought, I have been healed amazingly. The things that I have had broken off my life are astounding. So I actually have this passion and desire to, to speak truth and, and hope into the lives of others when they are also you know, significantly burdened by addiction because I know myself what God can do. So I know this, this series that we're looking at, in a sense they're sensitive issues but I also believe at the same time that God can use this. I, I was just talking to, to John, um, John Borden this morning. He was telling me about Lithgow, the way in Lithgow at the moment there's just some horrific problems with, with drug addiction, with, with kids that are just helplessly lost in addiction. And Of course, you guys are shaking your heads, you know. It's, it's, it's not even hidden anymore. It's, it's such a, a, a huge problem that it actually impacts us. We see it around us every day. People caught in horrific addiction. But the, the, the hope is that spoken into that hopelessness is, is the words of truth. And I just wanted to share a little bit about my story. I'm not going to go into it too much. I know I shared it, believe it or not, a year ago. Just, it was about 11 months ago I shared it here in my testimony. Just a little bit of my testimony to let you know, in a sense, the hole I dug for myself, this helplessness that I had. At the age of seven, believe it or not, I remember being at a, at a neighbour's house. There was a big street gathering of, of mums and dads and they met on a Saturday afternoon and I remember watching my dad drinking and it, I, I can see what it was. It was a sparkling or a crackling rosé. It was a, a sparkling red wine. I remember my dad drinking and I heard something I hadn't heard before. I heard my dad laugh. You see, my dad was a very angry man, a very just violent, angry man, particularly to my older sister and me. So to hear my dad drink and hear him laugh, or to see my dad drink and hear him laugh, I thought, what is that magic stuff? In my little seven-year-old brain, I thought, that must be just... I've got to have some of that. So I started this, in a sense, love relationship with this magic stuff called alcohol. And, and by the age of eight, I was, it was quite incredible because having... Kids myself at this age, I marvel. I just shake my head and think, yeah, these, these are this is you know, just about Zachy's age. But, but life as it was back then, I was able to drink from the age of eight. And, and, and as many of you know, um, with that I was a bit of a rat bag and I was kicked out of Sunday school. I'd been sort of in and out of um, church at that point, but the, the, church, the, uh, the elders came around to my house and pretty much told my parents that I was no longer able to go to Sunday school or boys' brigade. That, that was a huge um, you know, early consequence of my drinking. Was I, I was just banned from church. Um, as I say, the environment was such that I was going to slip into addiction. It just seemed back then, the, the early 70s, that there was just this environment of, of just drinking and whatever that, that basically week in and week out, There'd be parties around the street and us kids would just, would just sort of go to another house. If, if all the parents were meeting over here at number six, we'd go over to one of the other houses and just party harder. And we're talking like little kids. And, and by, 
by early high school, I, I, I'd had a criminal record too to add to it. So I, I was, you know, with, with, with everything else came the stealing and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and it wasn't just alcohol anymore. It became like anything. It was just this, this somehow this self-destruction or this feeling of just wanting to be out of it. And, and anything we could find, you know, glue, petrol, whatever. We, were just, we had this desperation. And I tell you what, by a very early age, I, I had the start of paranoia. So, um, of course you do. You, you, you take that stuff, it starts to mess your brain up. And by a very early age, I was just hearing voices and petrified. I could, could hardly, um, you know, I almost had to, had to take drink and drugs to stop this awful paranoia that had started. At the age of 16, my mum died. And that, for me, was a great excuse to, to sort of, self-destruct even more. Poor me, you know, poor me, poor me, poor me a drink, you know, they used to say. And, 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 and that was quite often what it was like. I just lost any interest in um, achieving anything at school. I, I bombed the HSC. Um, I had huge aspirations as a young kid to be a pilot. And I, um, it's not a bad thing for some people, but I ended up, you know, being working for many years at KFC, which is um, which again started my love relationship with KFC. But it was um, it was it was at that time I, I sort of had also started playing guitar, and so again just the whole slippery slide. I ended up being in bands and, and drugs and all that stuff that came with it. And, and there was by by, the, by my late teens there were no breaks. I had absolutely no capacity to stop what I was doing. I'd started working at the record company and so I had other people around me that were in exactly the same boat. They were just like me, just partying, just 24-7 and, and there was no... Um, there was no what, what there was though that was quite interesting was there was actually a point at that time where I actually ended up going to, some, to get some help. I really wanted to get help at that point. I realised something was wrong I remember going, I think it was AA or something, and, and I thought, oh, it's great, it's fantastic that you don't have to drink, and then went out again and drank. And it was probably a good six years before I finally gave up. But it was just amazing that, that it was just this, this absolute, I could not imagine having, I couldn't survive without some sort of chemical in me. And of course, as I say, um, I started at 15 getting, um, getting paranoia. By the age of, of my, my late, late teens, early 20s, I had what's known as speed psychosis. And that stuff is hell on earth. You, know, you, you think you can imagine what hell's like. It's like that. Just absolute... Oh, it's hard to describe, but it's, it's, it's just... It was a horrible byproduct. You know, it, it just seemed that for the next five years, I just had no control over and it just seemed to be getting worse and worse and yet fortunately working in the record company I quite often say how incredible God was that I had no time for God but it says in Isaiah 65 I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me I was found by those who did not seek me and the goodness of God that in the middle of that dark dark place and and sadly by that time I I was losing friends left right and centre my good mates were dying but it was at that time that, that we actually, I was working in the record company and we released the Jesus video, the Jesus film on, on VHS. And my, my dear stepmum, who's been mentioned tonight, Eric and Lil's co-worker at Global Recordings, um, bought two copies and said, you know, no, one of them's for you, Andy. And, um, and, and years later I was to watch that. 
and give my life to the Lord. So even in the midst of that darkness, God was there and then the, the, the most incredible thing happened for me. My, my boss, who by this stage was um, like my best mate, he, he was a great boss to have if you're an addict because he was, he was doing the same things as me. He was just, it was just this crazy, crazy existence. But he went away for about two or three months and none of us knew where he'd gone. Anyway, he came back and he looked astounding. You know, he, he, he wasn't there for half an hour before he called me up to his office and he said, Andy, you're an addict and an alcoholic and you're going to die, mate. But you don't have to. There's a way out. How? How? He said, God can help you. And, and I, I don't know about you, but, you know, I just, as, an, as a, I would have considered myself very much an atheist, someone who, what sort of God is worth following? If, you know, when, you, when I looked at my life, I was very much full of self-pity. What sort of God you know, could, I, could, could help me? And yet I looked at this guy and he looked astounding and he was a great advertisement for God. And so at least I was open. And then not long after that, I just had the, what I would call, I'm very fortunate, I, I have what, Many people might call something like a white light experience, just a, a very powerful um, visitation of God at a point I really thought this one night that I was going to die and, and this extremely, um, th- this voice came to me and said, pick up the phone and dial this number and it was dial a prayer and I swear to this day that I'd smash that phone. Like it, I really do mean I, in, in one of my violent moods I, I was sure that I'd smashed my phone but it worked and then you know I, this voice just seemed to guide me through that night and I woke up the next day and I just went there's God I, I was so convinced that that something greater than me had 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 tried to help me and and it wasn't long after that that I, I finally went to AA and put down a drink just after my 25th birthday I it was the last drink I ever had and I had, I mean, I'm someone who, I'm, I'm sure you know, really is open to, to visions and open to experiences of God. And I had, I'm sure in detox, a, a vision. And it was a vision of a little boy falling into a bottle or falling to just standing at the, standing around a, um, a, a sort of hole of water. And, and all of a sudden it was almost like this little boy fell in the water and drank himself to the bottom of this bottle, if that makes sense. And I looked up. I think I can see it so vividly. And I felt there's, there's no visible way out of this hole. I, am, I have just got myself in such a mess, the only way out is an invisible. And, and so I was so open to God working. And, and sure enough, that program of AA, and not just the program, but the people of AA, that, that in hindsight were wonderful Christian people, that were able to, to, to mentor me and get me through and teach me how to live again. So for many, many years I was just learning how to cope with life without... You can imagine when you start as a young boy, 18 years later trying to work out how to live without alcohol, I had a wonderful bunch of people around me that were able to, to get me through and they'd, I did a bit of mathematics and I realised that they were my age when they stopped too. And so it was, it was a wonderful restart to life and I'm just so um, astounded really that a day at a time that I've added up to something like 27 years that more than half of my life has been lived without alcohol and, and drugs of any description which I think is, is, is a miracle 
I know it's a miracle. I know myself how many people have not recovered that have actually not held on to recovery and have just um, died, sure, but also their lives are just, you know, they're, they're, they have no life. They're just enslaved to alcohol, to, to any number of things. What I really praise God for is two things. One, but for the grace of God, there goes me. But for God's grace, who am I that I'm standing here tonight when so many have died? It is the grace of God. It's his, his mercy and his power to set me free. But I also know the other flip of that coin is I am responsible. And this is the big thing about recovery that I, that I think people need to hold on to, that, that actually it's a partnership with the creator of the universe to get your life back and have an incredible, abundant life. Addiction and recovery. Addiction, it's, it's, it's dependency, it's dependence, it's craving, it's, it's, a, it's a habit, it's a weakness, a compulsion, fixation, enslavement. They're all different words used to describe addiction. It's to a substance or an activity. You don't have to just be addicted to chemicals. It can be something that you just cannot, that completely just takes over your life. All you can think about, playing the phone there, Isaac, all you can think about is this thing. You wake up thinking about it. You know? And it can also be to people. We can have addiction to, to, to somebody else. That we just, it's something that just enslaves our life. Like hooks get in us. We cannot do without this thing or this person. Overcoming addiction. Well, last century we were so blessed that the AA, it started with Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12 step program. It was, a, it was a Christian program based on Christian principles. If you follow these Christian principles, then you can be set free. It was a wonderful um, just, just, it was a miracle, they say, of the 20th century, the 12-step programs. Life had become unmanageable, but a power outside of yourself could help you, could restore your life. In AA, God was revealed in AA as a God of grace and a God of power. So not just, not just a God who was um, out there, but a God that was in, involved in life, that, that actually had the grace and the power to set you free. We understood, and, and, and I think this is one of the things that I love about AA, we're completely unworthy of his help. Like It's just that sense of, of, of humility. Basically say, who are we that God would help us? We, we've just messed our lives up, but it's at that point of complete messing up your life that God is so willing to come and set you free. Their focus is on a God who has the power to allow you to recover. And, and to recover in what I would describe as a tough, it's a tough program if you work it. It's a soul-searching process of self-evaluation. Where do I actually, where, where do I need to be honest and, and, and seek wisdom about how I've been living, how I've been contributing, where I need to forgive, you know, where I need not just forgive other people, Oh, there were definitely my father, but myself too. I was so such a such a um, condemned person. For many years, I couldn't even look up. I was so full of shame and guilt that I remember the first time I looked up and looked into someone else's eyes. It was just it, it's just such a a program of, of forgiveness, and of course, prayer and meditation. 
actually something that wasn't there before. Something that just says, I can have this beautiful ongoing relationship with God. I can just surrender things to him and I can just grow spiritually. A wonderful program. Replacing the hole, replacing this hole that we've got inside of us that we've tried to fill with other things or other people, filling it with his presence, filling it with a program to live. In the Beatitudes, I used to love the Beatitudes as a, as a, as a new believer or as a, as a very young, raw um, you know, Christian or, or person on a spiritual walk. I used to love what was revealed in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 3 to Three to ten, the first one. God blesses those people who only depend, who depend only on Him. They belong to the kingdom of heaven. In that, in that sense of being so poor in spirit, so broken, it's like, well, I'm only going to live. It's just that sense of, of of believing that the God that's that's helping me, the God who's called me into a relationship, He's God and I'm not. He's a power greater than me, and I'm just going to trust that somehow or other, even though I'm undeserved, even though so many die, that, that because I can just humble myself and say, help, the kingdom of heaven is mine. It's a beautiful promise, that, that first beatitude. The second one, God blesses those people who grieve. They will find comfort. That is a, a person who grieves at what they've done, a person who says, you know, I've messed my life up. I, can, I have absolutely no way of getting any helping myself, the, my best efforts got me in the gutter. You know, if you, that grief that says I'm so, I'm, I'm at the end, you know, it's at that point that hope flows. It's such a beautiful promise, isn't it? That Even though we grieve, at that point we can find comfort. The next one, God blesses those people who are humble. The earth will belong to them. Surrender. You know, I, I, I used to look at churches and, 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 and certainly... I believe they've changed. But I used to think, you know, I, I didn't really see that, that sort of reliance or dependence on God that, that initially the AA program showed me. I, I do see it now. I see many people just are so aware that, you know, life is, is, is so broken that they need God's help, that, that indeed God is, is, is able to help. But back then I used to think, you know, I was, I was a spiritual person. The church is just religious. But, you know, that, that humility, I saw that God was willing to help me. God blesses those, the next one, who want to obey him more than to eat or drink. They will be given what they want. Again, that sense of, um, of not just wanting to go through the motions of church, not just wanting to um, go to church because you had to, but this, this whole life that was surrendered to God. God was my addiction. God was number one, that, that obedience to God became absolutely fundamental. That's, that, that's that, that recovery that I'm talking about. is basically saying that God's been put in his rightful place and anybody that lives this sort of life will benefit, let alone someone out of addiction that, that didn't, you know, has no hope. It was just such a, a, a great relief to know that there was a blessing for those who want to obey God. God blesses those people who are merciful. They will be treated with mercy. And as I say, a lot of the process of going forward was actually basically being open to say, Lord, what's my place in all this? You know, sure, I've been hurt. God, I need to, in a sense, feel like I need to forgive God. 
you know, for, for allowing things to happen in my life. Uh, losing mum was, was a particular one that I had to forgive God about. What sort of God, you know, grew up thinking, what sort of God takes a boy's mother from him? You know, that's not any sort of God I want in my life. Forgiving your parents, forgiving others. And as I say, forgiving yourself, showing mercy and then being treated with mercy. The next one, God blesses those whose hearts are pure. They will see him. It is about transparency. God sees our hearts. God sees, we sang a song this morning, didn't we, from the inside out. Lord, heal me from the inside out. You know, just, just absolutely make what's inside show on the outside. I, I, I quite often, used, I think about a, a description I heard once from an addict, an addict or alcoholic that I um, used to know. He said, I'm so glad that God didn't invent us with a video screen just here that you can actually see people's thoughts. You know, because quite often, you know, the, we, we, we're good at covering it, but, but that, that, that sense of a, a pure heart says, Lord, make the inside, you know, make, make, make what's flowing from the inside actually show on the outside. A pure heart, that, that desire to just want to live a more holy life. God bless, bless, I said this this morning, God blesses those people who make peace. They will be called his children. And this is one of the great ironies of addiction and recovery is actually I've seen what God's done in my life just by sharing that, just by being there with other addicts and that. I've actually seen God's made peace with me, God's made my life peaceful and he uses me to make other, other people... Isn't that beautiful? To think that God could use someone that was so... I remember the first time when I started, um, I, I was a secretary of a huge meeting on the, on the northern beaches. Um, I couldn't believe that, but I remember the first time that I was actually able to help someone. I couldn't believe that I could share something that gave them hope. And, you know, I've seen many, many times you know, God used me to, to save someone's life. It's, it's, it's precious. To know it's not just about me, but as God's worked in me, I, I can somehow become hands and feet of God in other people's lives. It's beautiful and, and that's one of the, the sort of great um, ways in which God works, what he does for us, the way he heals us, he longs to do in others' lives. The God of all comfort and compassion who comforts us in our afflictions so that we can help others with the help we've received. 2 Corinthians 1. You know, this beautiful promise that God can use us to bring peace to the world. The last one, God blesses those people who are treated badly for doing right. They belong to the kingdom of heaven. It's not an easy thing, I think, in any culture, certainly Australian culture, to actually not, not want to drink, not want to actually do things that the majority of people do. You feel a little bit left out. You, you can feel, certainly in some, um, particularly with any addiction though, I think that you can feel... Um, you know, people want to mock you. People want to sort of say, ah, you know, that's, you know, what sort of life have you got now? You don't drink in that. Or, or, or just really make you feel that just because you're doing something right, um, you, they just want to make you feel bad about it. The tall poppy syndrome, don't they call it that? You're trying to get on with your life, make, you, make life better. And there's always someone to cut you down. Well, don't worry about it. You know, God just says, yeah, don't worry, that's fantastic that you want to try and do this. And I've seen that, as I say, many times in my life that, that actually, you know, there are the mockers. 
There are those that basically say, you know, what sort of Aussie doesn't drink? Well, in fact, a lot of Aussies don't drink. You know, I think, you know, what sort of man doesn't drink? Well, I think it takes a great man to say no, to drink. And I just want to start five practical tips for overcoming addiction. And this is the big one, in fact, get help. You are not so unique. Your life isn't so unique that God can't help you. Your life isn't so unique that, that there's no way out. In fact, that's, that's quite actually something that I've found is a bit of a, a relief to know that I'm not so individual, I'm not so special. I'm actually just someone that's got a problem someone else can fix. And I just really... You know, really want to say, get help. Don't. I think we're so blessed in the 21st century. There's never been a time in which there's so many resources for people caught up in any sort of addiction. Anything you can think of has got an anonymous um, tag attached to it. You know, it's so many. Well, it didn't just start with alcoholics, but but you know, narcotics, and then just so many, in a sense, problems. There's a solution. There, there's there's a program of recovery attached to it. So get help. The next one, make a choice daily. It's not a, it's, it's, it feels a bit daunting, doesn't it, to think I'll never do this thing again. But just a day at a time. It's such a, such a beautiful slogan, just one day at a time. I'm just going to worry about today. I won't do this thing today. I'll worry about next week when it comes, just for today. No condemnation too, that the, the and I love this about the Christian faith of Jesus. It's so beautiful when you've had a life that's just so dark and so, um, so broken. To know that Jesus died for me is astounding. No condemnation. No matter what I've done, I'm not beyond God's help. God will always be there. But also we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is something that um, as time's gone on I've learned to appreciate more and more. That through God's power in us and, and our faith, he can turn everything around. This, this way in which God that's in me can flow and help other people. So that's, that's quite often one of those real, um, real pointers. People say, if you're trying to recover, get beyond your own head. You know, Try and sort of step out of your own problems and go and help someone. You know, look and, and, and see you know, how, how you know, particularly God's presence can help you just get into someone else's life. So there's some nice, easy, practical tips that I've found that, that in a sense become, um, many of them are just so second nature to me now. Um, Ephesians 5 though. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. I just love this. I just love that there's nothing new. There's nothing so new about the 21st century that that God can't help us. So the Romans themselves were extremely heavy drinkers too. We live in a, a world, I think, where there's just been this, you know, this problem of, of people overindulging. You know, God creates something beautiful like, like, a, like wine and it's abused. You know, God creates something beautiful like sex and it's abused. God creates something beautiful like whatever and we, we don't do it in moderation. There's something about us that, that, just, that just takes over. But the Holy Spirit, rather than spirits, gives us the power to live a, a truly life filled with God's goodness. I love Paul's secret also in verse 20. Always give thanks to God the Father 
for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. One, one way. You know, life is really a gift. I think if I've learned anything about life over the last 20 odd years, it's a gift. When I see how so many other people, just how messed up they are, I realise that life is a gift. And having an attitude of gratitude. Melissa said it beautifully last Sunday night, if you weren't here. She mentioned when she was preaching, think of something you've had to give up as a sacrifice. Think of something you've had to sacrifice. And then she basically said, you know, as I was thinking of things I've had to give up, I thought, yeah, but you know, I gave it up, but, but what's come out of it is so much better. And then I thought of something else. Yeah, but it wasn't really a sacrifice because what came out of it was so much better. And it seemed like everything that I was thinking of that was a sacrifice ended up being eventually a blessing. And that was Melissa's point, obviously, that, that that's what, what it is in life. That anything we, in a sense, feel like we're surrendering to God is ultimately going to be blessed. And to give thanks to God for that, that the things we give up, he, what we get in return is so much better. A couple more things, two more things. As I mentioned to you guys, I am very fortunate to be able to have, in a sense, a sober mind, a clear mind, a healthy mind. I mentioned um, several things. I mentioned severe paranoia. I mentioned um, um, psychosis. Very, very heavy things that, that I had to sort of deal with. Fortunately, I can stand here saying that, that I almost immediately praise God, had my, my sanity restored. You know, it was, it, was, it was as from darkness to light, it was literally immediate. I, I praise God that I've even been able to do four, I think it is, um, university degrees. You know, it's, it doesn't make sense when you think about what I did to myself. But particularly want to say that, that one of the things we need to do when it comes to going forward. It's renewing the mind. It's actually that our minds are um, where a lot of the stuff happens, isn't it? It's not just the, the things that we're sort of addicted to. It's, it's what goes on in our heads. And, and Jesus mentioned that in Mark 7, didn't he? He said that it's not what we put into our bodies, but it's what's inside, out of the heart. Come all these thoughts, evil thought, thoughts, vulgar deeds. We steal, we murder, we're unfaithful, greedy, mean, deceitful, indecent, envious, all these things, these bad things come out of the inside. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think one of the huge things we have to do in recovery is, is, is deal with what's going on in the mind. Makes sense, doesn't it? You don't want to just take, get rid of something out of your life and just spend your whole life just full of negativity. One of the things they say is stinking thinking leads to drinking. That real understanding that what you, you know, if you just spend all of your time just negative and, and just your, your mind's really messed up, you've got no peace, then you're going to want to do something to deal with that. Paul, the Apostle Paul, gives some beautiful practical advice in this dilemma. He talks about taking thoughts captive elsewhere, but in Romans 12, verse 2, let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Transformation of the mind. You know, I remember doing a walk-up um, near Melissa's uh, property up on the Mile Lakes around a place called Bulladila. Does anyone know Bulladila? The, um, the old highway that used to, just north of Bulladila, used to go up the mountain. 
used to wind up. It used to be just one lane. You remember those days before the bypass? And you know, you'd wind up and just be at a standstill all the way up, and then you'd wind all your way down. And I was doing a walk from, um, I think it's from Barrington Tops to, to the lakes. And um, I remember walking on this highway. And I, I just thought, it was quite funny because it, it gets used so rarely now that trees were actually breaking through out of the road. I thought, wow, if this road remains untouched, it's actually going to eventually be a forest. The forest will ta- overtake it. Well, what, what's my point? Well, well, the fact is, you know, the renewing of the mind, quite often it's, it's these habits or whatever, they, they're like pathways, I think they're called neural pathways, but they, they become so habitual, second nature. What we actually have to do is create new pathways, new habits. And these old habits eventually will go. It'll be like the trees forming in the forming in uh, breaking through the road but that these old habits will eventually go the renewal of the mind of these new ways of looking at life this 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 attitude of gratitude is possible and it starts in the mind actually just taking thoughts captive and learning new ways of thinking the next thing is also it takes time now, there's no quick fix it's a you know quite often um, that's what I love about a day at a time. You know, they add up, but I, you, you don't get 20 years. You know, you, I, I think it's good counting in, in days rather than years. You, know. you can sort of say, well, it's day two. Wow, that's fantastic, rather than year two. It takes time. Someone, happy are those who reject the advice of evil people, who don't follow the example of sinners or join those who have no use for God. Instead, they find joy in obeying the law of the Lord and they study it day and night. They're like trees that grow beside a stream that bear fruit at the right time and whose leaves do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. At the right time, you bear fruit. And that's a great promise of the 12-step program is don't give up, keep doing it and you'll find at the right time, they use those words, at the right time, things that seemed unmanageable will become second nature. No quick solutions, unfortunately, but a lifetime an offer of a lifetime so different. You know, life won't be so overbearing. People won't be so overbearing. Places or situations won't be so overbearing that you can't get through it clean, sober, free of addiction. I remember someone telling me years ago in, in my early recovery, you know, it's not the old life polished up. It's a brand new life. I thought I knew what they mean. I thought I knew, yeah, you're right, you know, it's not but I can actually see down the track it's a brand new life. It's almost like I'm a different person. I'm a new creation. You know, it, it is what's possible. And you know, I had a, had a friend, um, a dear friend in Sydney uh, who in a sense was going really well and he's, he's also similarly struggling at the moment. He, he thought he could give it another go and he's really again struggling. It, it, has, it has happened so much that I know it's just this, the only way we can really get through is in this ongoing relationship with the Lord, not necessarily with the church, before having this beautiful, unhindered relationship with a power greater than ourselves that loves us, that actually wants us to be free of these things, so reliant on him that we can be free of addiction, that we can be recovering from these things and, and really experience life in all its fullness. I'm just going to pray. I just want to pray. What I've said, I sense 
um, you know, it's, it's beautiful to be someone that's been so you know, healed. And, and, and it can seem a bit daunting talking about you know, 20 plus years. You know, like how could, you, how could you understand what it's like to drink? Well, I remember it intimately. You know, I remember intimately what it's like to be addicted. That's why I don't go back because <laughs> I don't ever want to turn back and, and, and see if I could you know, do it again. Because the life that I've got is I, I treasure so much that I wouldn't want to actually see if I had another recovery in me. I, I, I just think God has blessed me so much. I'm just going to pray. Lord, it's, it's one thing to stand here with these beautiful people in this beautiful place singing your, your praises, um, a room full of love, a room full of um, people who love you. Um, it's another thing to know that all around us we have um, people that have no hope. They have absolutely no way of, of dealing with life. Lord, they, they're, they're enslaved in things that just started um, you know, with just you know, so, so simply, so innocently, but Lord, they're just all around us. They're enslaved. I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that, that you would use this message just to, to give people hope that the, the greater you living in us than he who's in the world. Lord, you have a, a, a jealous love for all of your creation, for all of those around us that are so caught up in, in, um, in, in chains of addiction, Lord God. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that, that this could be a church where people can recover, where this could be a, a place where people hear about a God who's for them and not against them, hear about a God who has the, the power to, to break addictions. This is a church where we, we believe and we sing and we practice. There is power in the name of Jesus. Lord, I do pray. I, I, just, I pray for, for the town of Lithgow, I pray for Blackheath. I pray for Katoomba. I know, um, I know within these towns, Mount Victoria, Lord, there are people, there are people that are right now, Sunday night, they're just absolutely in hell on earth. Lord God, have mercy upon them. Lord God, I just pray, um, just in the name of Jesus, that, that the evil one who just seeks to steal, kill and destroy, we just want to pray that you are greater you are greater. I pray, Lord, that you would work in their lives, work in their lives to set the captives free, work in their lives to, to give them um, the life that, that, that you long for them to have, this, this unhindered, beautiful, condemnation-free life, guilt-free life as a child of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.